starting a brand new series called Knowing God. And, and this is gonna be a great series, it's three weeks long. And the whole objective behind this series is that we would know God. <laughs> Pretty simple, right? We, we like to keep things simple, stupid, huh? Here at Northwood. And so knowing God is really not about head knowledge. It's about a living relationship with him. And that's a big, big statement right there. Knowing God's more than head knowledge, it's a living relationship with him. When I was about, um, i say, first grade, I was probably about first grade. Uh, I, I lived uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi, first grade, and I was actually going to St. John High School. Down, I mean, St. John, first grade in high school. <laughs> Woo! Part the mustache and insert the bottle, right? <laughs> Pretty funny. You'll get that here in a minute. But <laughs> I was going to St. John Elementary School. It used to be downtown Gulfport, and it's not there. The elementary school's not there anymore. And uh, uh, we really were unchurched family. We, we didn't go to church at all. Um, I think we knew about God, you know, obviously. We, we live in the Bible Belt, right? You had to hear about God a few times. Uh, uh, I didn't hear much about God in mass. I was too interested in hitting the nuns with spitballs. Um, but I, I, I repent of that, right? Yeah. Had a good time while I was doing it. But anyways... Uh, my mom periodically would bring us to First United Methodist Church. It's, it's right there in downtown Gulfport. And I, I'll never forget, I used to go to church service there, and they had these, they still have them today, stained glass windows. And uh, outside the building is a little ledge, and I used to run the ledge. So when service starts, I'd be outside running the ledge around the stained glass windows, and I don't know how I got away with it, but I did, and uh, I'd show up at the end of service, and I went to a few Sunday school classes, and they uh, presented me with a little black Bible like this, gold letters with, with my name written on it. It's about first grade, and uh, I thought, this is great, you know, hey, thank you, Casey, here it is, and I put it on the bookshelf, and years went by, and, and my mom joined the military, and we moved to San Antonio, Texas. And uh, yeah, we got some people from San Antonio in here. All right, yeah, go good, Spurs fans. Um, so we, we went to San Antonio, Texas, and the little black Bible traveled with us somehow. I never read it, by the way, but it was on the shelf and uh, went to San Antonio, stayed there for several years, moved, went to Knoxville, Tennessee. My mom's a UT alumni. I think they won yesterday, right, huh? Go Vols. But uh, somebody like, no, I don't like volunteers. But uh, that nevertheless, my mom got a PhD from the University of Tennessee, and the little black Bible traveled with us. Don't know how, but it did. And uh, then we moved back down here to the coast. Uh, my mom was at Keesler for a little while, and then she moved to uh, D.C. area. And I stayed down here, went back to the University of Tennessee, don't know where the little black Bible was, thought I was going to go to class, went to frat party 101, never made it. Uh, came back down to the coast, and uh, my parents lived in D.C. They came, and then they moved back. Or, yeah, one of those ways. But the little back Bible stayed with us. And uh, I never read it. And then I had a girlfriend. I was graduated. I had graduated from Gulfport. I had a girlfriend. Uh, this is the only person I think that has ever really reached out to me about God in some sort of fashion. And this girlfriend of mine said, hey, Casey, she brought me a Bible. She said, hey, have you ever thought about reading the Bible? I said, I got a little black Bible. I know about Moses. I know about Jonah and the well. Yeah, yeah, I know about God. I, I do know about that. And the conversation went on, and I never picked up my Bible. 
And then at about age 22, my life really took a a drastic turn. Around the age of about, I was about, it was about 1999, I think it was about 22, 1998, 1999. My dad had given his life to Jesus, and uh, you gotta know my dad, for him to say anything about Jesus is like, whoa! (laughs) You know what I mean? And same thing happened to my mom. They ended up, and I've shared this story before, but it goes about knowing God. They ended up here at Northwood Church. They were separated at the time but they both ended up in the parking lot of Northwood Church. That's a miracle, how about you? you know it? I mean, golly, that's a miracle. Well, they weren't speaking with each other, so my mom, I think, thought maybe my dad's stalking her, and she left. <laughs> they weren't living with anywhere. Anyways, he came to church. Long story short, he got water baptized. I came, watched him get water baptized in the building behind me. I thought, this something is crazy going on. My dad's getting water baptized. What does this mean? I saw that. I saw a life change in his life. And uh, God started working on me. I went and got plastered after his baptismal service. Uh, instead of lunch, I had a different kind of lunch. And uh, so they started praying for me. And about age 22, I realized I had to have a change in my life. And the only thing I knew to do was start praying. I remember being on my hands and knees on my mom's back deck, up for several days, hadn't slept, on my hands and knees, praying that God would spare my life, that he would do something in me somehow, some miracle. And so I took a job offshore. I knew I had to exit. I had to do the great exodus. I had to be exiled. And uh, so I took a job offshore and by a miracle, I'm telling you, I don't know how I found it. My mom and dad were not living together. I, w- I-, I had moved out really in my senior year. I was really gone. And-, and I was back at 22 years old at my dad's house. Somehow or another, took a job offshore. My dad gave me his Navy sea bag. He's a Vietnam veteran. And, uh, I- and I took this Navy sea bag. And I don't know how I found it, but I found the little black Bible right, that traveled with me all the, that time, and I brought it to, uh, with me offshore, and I uh, found myself in Sulphur, Louisiana, getting on a barge, and uh, was waking up in the middle of the night with them saying, you need to go to Galveston, Texas. We got to send you to Houston. We're going to fly you out on a chopper to a little platform, almost in international waters. I said, pick another straw, dude. I don't even want to be here, and matter of fact, I'm angry, you know, I didn't know God, I'm angry. I got a little black Bible in my bag. They persuaded me somehow or another, but I know it was a miracle now looking back. I got in this van, went to sleep, drove to Galveston, Texas, got to the port of Galveston. It was about three in the morning. The van took off. I'm, in, I'm sitting out here with boats. I found a tugboat captain. He let me crash in his boat, slept in his boat, woke up at daylight. Hair was like this, you know what I'm talking about? My eyes were still bloodshot from the frat party, basically. You know, like, where am I at? What am I doing? Went and got on a chopper flew a 45-minute chopper ride to the middle of nowhere in the ocean, got out of the chopper, walked into the uh, kitchen where, where I was going to be working with a chef and all, and the guy said, there you are. I had a dream about you. Did you bring your little black Bible? And I said, this guy's crazy. I'm going to kill him. I did, because the funny thing was, I was outside of the oil platform, and they had uh, little steel grates you walk on, and they'd pour slop over the edge, and you could see the barracuda and the fish just disintegrated. And, and, and I thought, I'm going to throw this. This dude's next. You say, well, what's wrong with you, Casey? Uh, of course, there was a lot of stuff wrong with me. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, when I was going into the kitchen, there was a crane operator sitting on the ledge, and he told me when I walked in, you talk about 
weird stuff happening. He said, hey, you better watch out for that night cook. He's a funny, strange man, and you're rooming with him. I'm just being honest, right? I'm sharing my story. This is my story. And I leaned down to him and I said, no, you've got this all wrong. He better watch out for me. So this is a guy who said, I was dreaming about you. I saw you in my dreams. And here's a little black Bible. Did you bring your little black Bible? My first instinct was kill, steal, and destroy this dude. <laughs> Nevertheless, I said, I did bring my black Bible with me. And two nights later, I worked the graveyard shift. And so I'd work all night. And then at six in the morning, I'd get off. And I walked into my room at about 7 a.m., got on the top bunk, and I was so desperate to know God, not know about him. I opened my Bible to the book of Psalms. And when I read it, God came into the room by a miracle. And he said, I know exactly where you're at. This is how he spoke to me. I don't know exactly what the scripture verse was, but he said, I know you, Casey. I've got a plan for you. You're going to live and you're not going to die. And you're going to do something great for me. And I closed that Bible, and I kid you not, that was the start of a real relationship with Jesus that got me all the way here today to preach the gospel to you. Let's give it up for Jesus. The whole idea of this message is we can get lost in religious behavior, having a Bible on the shelf, coming to a church service and never know God and never have a real relationship with him. In Revelation chapter three, verse 20, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and him with me. The first part of this series is about the heart of God. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. God, we're grateful for your presence. Lord, I pray that you speak to each person as an individual right now. God, that they would have an encounter with you, that they would experience you as a person. Stand alone as a person right now today, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So throughout the Bible, we see one major theme operating throughout the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, which is the redemption of mankind. God's heart is ultimately to redeem mankind. God has a plan for man, and it's written all throughout the scriptures. God had a plan for me. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and plans to give you a future. And by the way, we're not talking about just a hope and a future on planet Earth, right? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and God's got a plan for man, and his heart has always been that, that he would have a plan for man, and he carries out his plan. God's heart carries out his plan through one simple vehicle, and that vehicle is L-O-V-E, love. Love. The heart of God is love. The purest form of love the untainted, uncontaminated love that's more stronger than the love that we have ever been able to experience 
from another human, God's love. First John chapter four, verse eight says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse nine, in this love of God, it was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. So God is love. He, he is a picture of love. He operates through the vehicle of love. And everything he does is in a redemptive manner, if you would, or in a, a redemptive attitude. His heart is to redeem mankind. The will of God is that no man would perish, but all people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate. That's the crux of the message is that the heart of God is love. And we see love being carried out in many different formats and fashions with the human race. And so thinking about a picture of love, there's a story in the Bible called the prodigal son. And, and the prodigal son is, is simply a man who rejected the father. It's a young man who rejected the father and the father and the prodigal son is a type and shadow or symbolic figure of God himself. And this young man rejected the love of his father. This young man rejected the plan of his father. This young man spit basically in the father's face. He said, I want my inheritance now before you die. I want all the money that you have for me and I want it now and I'm gonna go do my thing. Basically, I don't care about the plan of love you have for me. I'm more interested in my own plan and as the story unfolds, he did a lot of things. He exercised his will, he exercised his plan, he exercised his selfishness. It says that there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end, it leads to death. And before the brink of death, this prodigal son realized that it's much better to be in the loving plan of my father. I'm broke now. I don't smell good anymore. I've lost weight, which by the way, a little side note, uh, after I read that portion out of the Bible offshore, all of a sudden something started changing in my heart. And within, I stayed out there for about 35 days. And within 35 days, I gained about 15 or 20 pounds. This guy, this young prodigal son, he was on the brink of death. And he said, you know what? It's better to go back and return to my father's house. I know he loves me and I know his plan is for me, but I rejected him and spit in his face. And so a picture of the love of God is seen at the end of this story in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And he arose, the prodigal, and came to his father. This is huge right here, folks, period. But, this is a huge but, but while he was still a long way off, after he was a long way away, after he rejected his father, after he spit in his father's face, after he rejected the plan of his father, after he said, I need to go my own way, after he said, I'm gonna exercise my own way, I don't care about yours, his father, check it out, his father saw him when he was way off and felt compassion. And then when he saw him coming in a distance, he ran and embraced him and kissed him. If that's not a picture of love, I don't know what is. 
It's a tremendous rendition of the heart of God. What I love about Jesus is when he was teaching people, he was telling them natural stories like this that revealed a spiritual truth we call as a revelation. And he said, that's how much I love you. Though you rejected me, I still love you and saw you afar off. You know, the origin of love is God. The very origin is the point at which something comes into an existence. The very origin from the heart of God is love. He is the creator of love. He is love and it originated from God and it operates in our lives today. And we see the hallmark scripture in John chapter three, verse 16, where it says, for God so loved the world, we know it, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That right there is such a big statement. That right there wraps up in one verse the entire plan of God. How can we elaborate on that? We can try. It's so huge. It's a scripture that has layer after layer after depth after depth after depth that goes far beyond our ability to reason or even interpret God's love for us. We have to accept it by faith. We have to believe it by faith. We can look at a few things as we unpeel the orange, if you would, about God's love. And God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably pretty conditional to a degree, right? I mean, as a person, you know, you punch me, I want to punch you about five more times, Right? You know, uh, you, 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 you tick me off and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm upset, right? And, uh, but I'm striving, right, to be like Jesus. But God, he's, his love's unconditional. That's huge. It's absolute. It's unrelenting. unrelenting. It's steadfast. It's unfailing. It's unearned and it's undeserved. It's unconditional. I mean, wow. Now, that'll help some of you right now who found yourself in positions like the prodigal son or have made mistakes, you got to realize that God's love is unconditional for you. The love of God is always there. The door to God is always there with love to embrace you, to help you, to encourage you. God's love is sacrificial. It's unconditional, but it's sacrificial. God gave his very best. It cost him something. It cost him Jesus, his son. He gave his very best. He didn't give the scraps and the leftovers, right? He came out with the prime rib, right? He came out with his very best. The very best he could give, he gave it. He's sacrificial. God's love is personable. It's personal. That's what I love about Jesus because God's love is seen and presented in the person of Jesus Christ who walked like an ordinary man in society, when the, when the Jewish leaders, they were looking for a king, they were looking for someone who came in a crown, but Jesus came just like me and you, and he knows every temptation. He knows every struggle that you go through, and the Bible says he's making intercessions for you at the right hand of the Father. God is personable. Jesus knows what it means to be a human. That's huge, and his love is acceptable. God's love is acceptable. His plan is acceptable. I want God's plan for my life. 
I'm gonna accept God's plan for my life. What, 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 what Jesus has put together here is this thing called a free will. So we can accept the plan of God, we can deny the plan of God, and God did not create robots, right? I have a free will about me, and I can make choices. See, God is a jealous God, the Bible says, an all-consuming fire, and he wants us as his creation to willfully accept his plan for our life. Just like the prodigal son, he left, he went afar off, he went away, but all of a sudden, he stuck his head out of the sand, he said, hold up a second, I can go back, I can accept the plan that my father has for me, and he did, and God was waiting for him at the doorway. My wife took a, uh, a trip to uh, Little Rock this week with some ladies and went to a conference, and so we use an app. It's a locator app, right? So she can keep tabs on me. No, I'm just kidding. We just, we, <laughs> we, we got a good relationship. We trust each other. We just, we just have a little location app on me, Haley, and Carrie, and so... Uh, uh, she was coming home. So I was watching that locate, locator app. And so uh, I was watching it, watching it. She was coming down 605, right? So I opened up the garage at my house. And so when she pulled up, I was standing in the garage. <laughs> I said, welcome home, baby. I'm hungry. <laughs> it's true. Haley said, if, if mama wasn't here, we'd starve. I went back to my bachelor's days, wake up, drink coffee, and about 8.30 p.m. that night, I think, I'm hungry. <laughs> Seriously. That's how God is. His plan is acceptable. God's love is accessible. It's not reserved for a certain demographic. That's what I love about Jesus. It's not, it's not, it's not reserved for a certain people group. It's for everyone, and it's access, accept, accessible. We can kick the door down, if you would, in God's house and say, God, let me in. Let me in. So God's love is incredible, and it's seen in action. It's not just something we read. We see God's love in action. See, love is an action word. Love is a verb, right? The picture of love, when you break it down, has several different meanings in the Greek, but it's an action word. It's, it's a doing. It, it, it's, it's depositing something. And we see that in God's uh, economy. We see Jesus, he's searching for you. He searches for you. He does. Jesus search. Now, I know he knows where you are, but he's searching for you. He sends the hound dogs of heaven after you, right? The Holy Spirit. Somebody said the Holy Spirit's like the hound dog of heaven. He's searching for you. And a good, good scripture in Luke chapter 15, verse eight, it says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you that there's joy before the angels over, with God over one sinner who repents. God is searching for you. We were in Dillard's probably about five or six years ago, and Haley, we were with a, a Pastor Van, me and Carrie and Haley and Miss Jan, and we were in Dillard's. I don't know why we were there, but we were there looking for some clothes, I guess, obviously. And uh, Haley disappeared. Haley disappeared, and we couldn't find her anywhere. And you know when you lose something that's the most valuable possession to you, the heart rate starts to increase rapidly. For me, adrenaline kicks in and I'm ready to, you know, it's, it's combat mode. Now I have a gear that switches. 
And I don't know if I'm Jesus follower then or not. It's like, fine, Haley. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I guess I'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Fine, Haley. <laughs> fine, Haley. <laughs> Did somebody take her? I'm going to tear their head off. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so we're, this is, the heart starts beating. Uh, Carrie's starting to panic. Uh, shortness of breath kicks in. We look at uh, her pawpaw. Where's Haley? She was with you. I don't know where Haley is. So he's running to the exit because if somebody grabbed her, they'd go to the exit and Carrie's like, <laughs> and my teeth is starting to grit and my pupils are starting to dilate, you know, and I'm thinking, man, Jason's born. <laughs> you know, they, palpitations, the hands are sweating. I don't have the black Bible with me anymore, you know what I mean? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you hear this thing come over the voice saying, I think it's Van Dakote, Van Dakote. Uh, something like that. Uh, you're needed in the uh, women's sec or men's section, and there's Haley standing there waving, talking. <laughs> she said, "You told us, told me if we got lost to go find a worker," and so she did. But uh, <laughs> that's just Haley. Imagine what God does searching for you. Jason Bourne ain't got nothing on God, right? <laughs> I want you to feel that passion that God has for you as an individual. He's searching for you. His love is in action, he's searching for you. He makes a way for you. Jesus makes a way for you. Not only does he search, he makes a way. Ephesians chapter two, verse four says, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved by God's ability, by God's plan, by God's way. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. It's called a miracle, folks. Last but not least, he has a redemption plan for you. Jesus does. Jesus has a This is how we're seeing God's love carried out, by the way. Jesus has a redemption plan for you. And Luke, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now he's on the cross right here when he uttered this statement, some of his last words. There was a criminal on his left, there was a criminal on his right. And one of the criminals said, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And these are some of his last words, not his last, but some of his last. He said, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise today. A criminal nailed to a stick. Jesus should be de I mean, obliterated. He wasn't just like this guy. This other guy was crucified, beat up a little bit. Jesus was obliterated. Blood was coming out of his ears and down his throat and his face. He was obliterated. And he said, and he feels the same pain. He had the same chemical structure as you have. And he turned to that criminal and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. 2,500 years ago, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says the same words today. Maybe you're not a criminal in the sense of a criminal, but we're all criminals without Jesus against what God wants to do, separated from God. And he says to you today, today you can be with me in paradise. 
You see, the cross is the greatest picture of God's heart in action, God's love in action. The cross. There's no other way to present it any better. I can't do a good enough job to justify the cross. It doesn't make sense to the human, but it's God's plan, the cross. Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you can take that word us and say me. Christ died for me. And I don't know where you are today in this room. I I really don't. I I don't know if you're in religion or if you're in relationship. There's a big difference, folks. I I, I tried to share my story, a little bit of my story, of how I encountered the presence of God. It wasn't about the black Bible on my shelf, right? It, it, It wasn't about me going to the, 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 the Methodist church. It, it, wa- it wasn't about any of those things. It wasn't even about me attending a church. It wasn't about me uh, changing my lifestyle. It wasn't about behavior modification. It was about encountering God and realize that his love has a plan for me and that I can have a relationship with him. That relationship started before I ever set foot in a real church as a seeker. Now we believe in church, obviously, but I don't know where you are today. And some of you right now might have been a church attenders and, 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 and you know, grew up in church and are saying, you know, it's a good thing to go to church. Or I heard one saying one time, you know, my kids really need to be here. It's not about your kids being here. Although that's good, I think you should raise your kids in a church environment. It's about you, ma'am. It's about you, sir, having an experience like I did. Your experience is looking different than mine. It's your story, but it's real, it's relevant, and it's for you today. Some of you may have never even had that encounter, and even in today, coming in this room, and right now, the Holy Spirit speaking to you as an individual. Today's your day. I want to do is pray. Let's just get along with God right now. Whatever that looks like for you, just close your eyes. Maybe bow your heads. It doesn't matter. Just getting along with God, meditating on your life, reflecting on what the Spirit of God's doing for you as an individual, not your spouse, not your kids, not your neighbor, not me, not anybody else, you as an individual. Our heart as a staff, our prayer as pastors is that you would be known by who you know, not by where you go. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you'd say, you know what, Pastor Casey, that's me. I am that man. I am that prodigal. I am that criminal. I am that person. Maybe I'm stuck in religion. Maybe I've never been to church before, but I know today is my day that I'm encountering the presence of God already. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. And so all you have to do is agree with it in your heart and, and, and agree. You might repeat it after me. You might not, but you're saying, God, that's me. God sees the heart. Man sees the outside. God sees the inside of an individual. And it's, I'm just going to try to put some words to what God's trying to do in your life. And if that's you, you're going to say, that's me. Yes, Lord. Agree with me in the prayer. Say the prayer. Just say, Father, I surrender. I surrender to you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross that's for me. 
Thank you for dying for me. I accept it. I don't have to understand it, but I accept it. I accept it today, Lord. Have your way in my life. Lord, forgive me of all my sin. God, forgive me of the things I've done and things I haven't done, things I don't know. God, things you know. Just forgive me, God. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. Make me the man, the woman, the youth, the person you want me to be, Lord. I give you my life in its entirety by faith right now in you, Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up, church, for those who prayed that prayer. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.